Well, welcome to our breakout. I'm so glad you're here. It actually is a little bit early. We're, we're six min minutes ahead of schedule, but we're going to get started since you all showed up. And um, my name is Shannon Fodale. I work in the Lehigh Valley with the Lehigh Valley team. And this breakout right now is all about loneliness, the remedy to loneliness. And I hope through taking this quiz, the one thing, and thank you to Cassie Wells for getting it together for me, the one thing I hope you realized is that we all feel lonely at different times in life. It is very common to us to feel lonely. In the descriptor for this workshop, which if you open up to your packet on page 24 and 25, the descriptor, loneliness, we all struggle with it, but we're often ashamed to admit it. God addresses this issue in the very first few pages of his word, the Bible. So today, we are going to do two things if you look on your outline. First of all, we're going to look at the reality of loneliness. That's the first point. Second of all, we're going to talk about the remedy to loneliness, friendship. Friendship. All right. First of all, like I said before, we're going to talk about the reality. And I hope that quiz was helpful. You are not alone in feeling lonely. I think you're going to be surprised what the scripture tells us about loneliness. I was surprised myself. Uh, a brother in the Lord, his name's Tim Keller, said, Adam wasn't lonely. Adam, the very first man ever made, was not lonely because he was imperfect, but because he was perfect. The ache for friends is not the result of sin. Isn't that crazy? I want you to look in your packet at Genesis 2. See that scripture is right there? Okay? And... We're going to get to that second chapter, Genesis 2. Before we do, you can keep your finger over there. Before we do, let me tell you about Genesis 1. And before I do that, let me pray. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this space where we can be quiet. We thank you for this time set apart that we can think about deep issues of the heart. Lord, we thank you that you know us perfectly. Even as Jordan went through Jonah 2 just recently, reminding us that you are a pursuing God. We cannot run farther than you will pursue us. Lord, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for this time. And we ask that you would help us to see this world that you have made through your eyes. We ask that you would glorify yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we get to Genesis 2, the very first book in the Bible. Okay, very first book. You probably know it. Genesis. Genesis 1. Genesis 1 talks all about God creating everything out of nothing. 
just by the word of his power. Okay? And this is, this is the rhythm of Genesis 1. Day one, day and night, and it was good. Day two, heaven and earth, and it was good. Day three, seas and land, and it was good. Day four, filling the heavens, right? Sun, moon, and star, it was good. Day five, filling the seas and the air with creatures, and it was good. Day six, filling the land with creatures, and it was good. And ultimately, on day six, man was created in God's image, and it was very good. Now I want you to look down at Genesis 2 in your packet. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and keep it. Pause right there. So what happens in Genesis 1 is the sweeping big picture of God creating everything. And then in Genesis 2, it telescopes in to what happened in the creation of the image bearers, man and woman. Okay? That's what we're reading. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Verse 18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. We're going to stop right there. Everything was good. Good, 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 very good. And then suddenly, God himself says, it is not good. Do you realize sin had not entered the world at this point in history? And something wasn't good. Something wasn't good. It's very funny. I, I'm a scientist, and science often discovers what God already said the reality was. You know, science works that way. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about an, a Scientific America journal article in which it wrote, living in isolation or in loneliness without peer close friends is the equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. You will decrease your lifespan by 15 years by living in isolation. I guess it's not good for a man to be alone. Thank you, Scientific America. Friends are important and necessary for human flourishing. And I think we all know that, don't we? Something inside of us wants to be known and wants to know others, even though we're so afraid of it. Let me go back to that, that friend of mine, that brother in the Lord, Tim Keller, that quote I said in the very beginning. Adam was not lonely because he was imperfect, but because he was perfect. The ache for friends is not the result of sin. Do you realize that God made us 
to image him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a community. Therefore, you are designed for community. You need it. You bear God's image. God made us in such a way we cannot even enjoy paradise without friends, human friends, not dogs, not cats, not bunnies or fish, even though they're great, I love them. You need human friends, people. Do you realize Adam, the first man, had like the ideal perfect devotional life? It was like 24-7, he like walked with God, okay? And it was not good for him to be alone. Adam needed friends. If you are lonely, you are not dysfunctional. If you are lonely, it's because you're not a tree. You're a person. You're an image bearer of the Lord God himself. You're not a machine. You're not an animal. You're not a tree. You're an image bearer of the Lord himself. You are designed to need spiritual friendship. You see, needing spiritual deep friends actually is not a sign of spiritual immaturity. It is actually a sign of deep spiritual maturity. It is not a sign of weakness. It is actually a sign of health to desire friendships. Love for and a deep connection to the body of Christ, the community of Christians, is the ultimate sign of maturity. You see, your health, the health of your walk with Jesus, your relationship with Jesus, actually is not measured by how much you know about Jesus. It's not measured by how much you do for Jesus. The health of your relationship with Jesus is seen in how much you are known and know others in the body of Christ. In John 13, which is in your packet, Jesus himself says, they will know you are Christians by your love for one another. Isn't that amazing? It says, if you look there, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Isn't that crazy? The litmus test for you, being a true disciple, is loving other people. Friendship, that's pretty amazing. And again, remember our definition. Love requires being known and knowing other people. It's a bottom line. But the best friendships don't focus like on the friendship. They focus on something bigger than just the, the relationship itself. So let's talk about making friends. On your outline, point two, the remedy for loneliness is friendship. 
Bottom line, you can fill it in on your outline. To make a friend, you must be a friend. You got to be a friend. You want to make a friend, you must be a friend. This is the idea of laying down your life for others. And it actually leads to gaining life yourself. It's true. It sounds absolutely crazy, right? But it is true. Laying down your life for others actually leads to gaining life yourself. I want you to look again in your packet at Isaiah 58, verses 10 and 11. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom become as the noonday. Verse 11, and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorch places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters do not fail did you see that repeated theme of giving in verse 10 did you see it that repeated theme right pour yourself out sounds like giving to me Satisfy the desire of whom? Of the afflicted. Not, not yourself, right? Pouring yourself out for others actually can lead to being filled and satisfied. We saw that in the, the rest of the verse. Your light will rise in the darkness, your gloom as noonday. But I want you to, to notice who meets your needs. Did you guys pick that up? I'm sure you did. You guys are good Bible, Bible studiers. Look at verse 11. The Lord will guide you. The Lord will satisfy your desires. The Lord will make your bones strong. This kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. And it's crazy, because even if you don't believe in Jesus, the world works God's way. <laughs> It just does. I mean, people who give to others and care for others, people want to be their friend, right? And did you see the end of verse 11? Circle how many times you see water in the end of verse 11. Threefold emphasis on life-giving water. You shall be like a watered garden, a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Hydration, water. God gives you flourishing, wellness, satisfaction. Isn't it interesting that, again, Isaiah 58 does not say, be a friend, and that guy or that girl will be your friend. For the Christian, you can be a friend, and God himself will be your best friend. He will meet your needs. It actually promises something better than just the friendship you're longing for. It promises you the friendship you were created for. 
that will truly satisfy. To make a friend, you must be a friend. I want you to go on your, your packet, your resources side, go all the way to the end, the qualities of an ideal friend. I've, when I've done this um, breakout before, I've um, surveyed everybody coming in and asked them to write down their top three qualities of friends. And um, we didn't do that today, but I compiled them, okay, from many, many different um, times on campus and other places. So I just have nine qualities here. First of all, they're fun, right? Joyful. Um, number two, loves me for who I am. Number three, qualities of an ideal friend takes initiative. Number four, we have common interests. Person enjoys the same things I do. Next, they're trustworthy. Six, wants my best. Next, loves the Lord, wants to grow in him. Next, inclusive, not exclusive. And lastly, they won't judge me. They won't condemn me. I can be honest about who I really am. I want to ask you a question today. Does this describe you? Is this the kind of friend you are? Straight up, this does not describe me. Straight up. I'm often concerned with, like, me and what I'm going to get out of this thing. I, I love being exclusive. If I got a good thing going, I want other people coming in and messing it up. The sad reality for me and for you is that you can't be the ideal friend. And I cannot be the ideal friend. We have this loneliness issue. We need friendship. And we can't even stink and do the first thing to fix it. We can't even be a good friend. That's pretty depressing, right? You're like, oh, OK, thank you, Shannon. Uh, it stinks. And if you're honest with yourself, you know it stinks. We need friendship to flourish, but we stink at being friends. We stink at having friends. What are we going to do? That's the next out, uh, fill in on your outline. Turn your disappointments into opportunities to know and love Jesus. To know and love Jesus. This might sound like, you know, like cliche. The Sunday school answer, oh, Jesus. OK, this is not cliche. This is dead life and death seriousness. On your outline, you, you might see that we were talking about being friends with God. And you look at the top of your outline, Proverbs 18, 25. A man of many companions may come to ruin. But there is a friend, singular in the Hebrew, who sticks closer than a brother. I want you to know 
Friends, this is Jesus, the friend. He sticks closer than a brother. The friend we are all designed to long for and find satisfaction in is Jesus. He is the only perfect friend. Why? Why? You know, you, so, sometimes people are like, Jesus, but I can't see him. I need someone I can touch, I can see, I can do things with. Well, do you realize Jesus is both man, 100% man, and 100% God, right? He's unlike any other person. So he can perfectly, as a man, know you, know your needs, empathize. He was a man, tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. He understands the agony, the suffering, the pain, the highs, the lows that you go through, unlike any other person. And yet, because God, because Jesus is God, he can perfectly meet all your needs. He doesn't just know them, he perfectly can meet them. We all, all want to be fully known and fully loved. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. Listen to this quote. To be loved but not known, I mean, it's kind of comforting, but it's totally superficial, right? To be known and not loved, I mean, that's our greatest fear, right? They know you, but they don't love you because they know you. It's our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved, well, that's being loved by God. That's being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything else. It liberates us from pretense. What do I mean by that? Like faking it. You know, you're around that person and you like act like you know more than you do or you saw the show or you know the person or blah, 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 blah. Like fake, right? Liberates us from pretense, yet it humbles us out of self-righteousness. We can be weak with the Lord. We can be as crazy messed up as we really are because he knows it and he fully loves us. It fortifies us for any difficulty life could throw at us. That is an incredible quote, and I'll tell you what. Every single friend other than Jesus will disappoint you. Turn your disappointments into opportunities to know and to love Jesus. We're going to do that right now. So if you look on your additional resources and the, the scripture, you'll see John 15, little section from John 15, John 6, John 17, and John 3. Okay, I want you to turn to one or two people right around you. Look at those passages, and I want you to take the qualities. You see the qualities of an ideal friend. And I want you to read each of those passages. Just start with John 15, 
with a friend next to you, a person right next to you, and see, circle, point out how Jesus displays the ideal friend qualities. Okay? Take some time, and then I'll call us back together in a, in a few minutes. Okay. I know you want more time. I know you want more time, but I'm going to have to ask you to get off the floor and sit on your seats again. I'm so sorry. I know you want more time. Okay. That is the tip of the gospel iceberg. You can do this every day of the rest of your life. And in heaven, you'll do this and enjoy it forever. Just revel in how Jesus is exactly what your heart is longing for. Jesus himself is the ideal friend. I did this exercise myself, and I have pages and pages connecting those few passages I gave you and showing how Jesus is exactly the ideal friend I'm longing for. And I want you to know, remember when we looked at Isaiah 58, pour yourself out for the hungry, satisfy the desire of the afflicted. Do you realize this is what Jesus did for you? Jesus perfectly poured himself out for you. Perfectly. He perfectly satisfies what you really eternally desire. He meets you in your affliction and your sorrow, just like he did Jonah. It's pretty amazing. And today, if you have never come to Jesus, today could be a great day for you to finally realize, I have been chasing around in relationships with other people longing to be filled and satisfied. And only Jesus can do it. Today could be your day. Trust in him. Communicate, Jesus, you are the ideal friend. I stink. I am a lousy friend. Die on the cross. Bridge that gap so that I can know you and the Father and the Holy Spirit. It is supernatural. When you trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit himself lives inside of you, revives you, supernaturally enabling you to be the friend you want to be to others. You know why? Because just like was said from Romans 5.8, Tom said it, and then Jordan said it. We were sinners. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And therefore, we can actually befriend sinners because we know what that was like. God befriended us. You see how it works? And the Spirit, I'll tell you, supernaturally allows you, enables you to befriend sinners. So let's go to the specifics. That's point three on your outline. Two things we're going to look at. How can I grow in my friendship with Jesus? And B, how can I be a friend? Practically, straight up, how can I be a friend to others? So A, how can I grow in my friendship with Jesus? Well, just do what we just did. <laughs> Spend some time in the Word and write down different ways that Jesus is the ideal friend. Tell him, dude, you are amazing. Look at how patient you were. 
Thank you, Jesus. You love me when I didn't love you back. When I had no time for you, you had time for me. Do that. Spend time. Make it real. This is not a head thing. It's a relationship thing. Pray it back to him. The other thing is befriend people who are friends with Jesus. Like they, sh- they will show you how to do it just because they're living their life. Like you, you might say, hey, how you doing? They're like, oh, awesome. I just read 2 Corinthians 4 this morning and I realized I actually carry around in my body the death of Christ. So his life would live in me, right? They just talk about it because that's what they studied this morning during their time with the Lord. Find those people, befriend them. All right, next, how can I be a friend to others? <laughs> this, I'm going to tell you five things, and you have not enough space for them. So I know you're a college student. You're going to make it work, okay? <laughs> five things. Here we go. Number one, you must avoid idolatry. What do I mean by that? Sounds really serious. This is what I mean. Where do you run to for refuge? What if you lost it, you would be devastated. It is so easy as Christians to say God is our refuge, but when the chips are down, I pick up the horn and I want to talk to a person. We it's deadly if we make friendships idols because people are people. They're sinners just like you, and they will not bear the weight of being God to you. So avoid idolatry. I'm just going to do a little warning. If you don't avoid making a friendship idolatry, two things can happen. First of all, when your friends fail you, which they will, you will be devastated. Secondly, we suffocate a friendship. We suffocate a person if we need them and demand from them what only God can be. And and basically, we feel threatened if they ever get another friend. It's like, it's just deadly to the friendship. A healthy friendship keeps Jesus at the center, right? Jesus is at the center, not the other person. Okay, enough about idolatry. Number two is self-forgetfulness. Self-forgetfulness. I think we all know that we want to be friends with that person who, like, you know, asks us good questions and takes initiative and cares about, like, what we care about. The Bible calls this putting others' interests above your own. This is just self-forgetfulness. And when you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, self-forgetfulness is cultivated. You can't even help it. It starts to grow. You start to care more about the other person and forget yourself. It's supernatural. That's why you need Jesus. You can do this. 
as a Christian, you can become self-forgetful. That was number two. Number three, grace, 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 right? That's what you need, grace. You see, your friendships are going to all be a mirror of your vertical friendship with the Lord. The grace you know Jesus extends to you is the grace you will start to extend to other people. It's just connected. It's connected. So if you feel like, why can I just not stop judging this person? They drive me insane. I cannot be gracious with them. No one should be able to be gracious with them. Okay, that's because you don't realize that you sin against the Lord himself in the same way that you see their sin. Because if you did, you'd be like, oh, I, I'm so forgiven, thank you. I can forgive you. I can overlook that. You see how it's connected? Grace, grace is number three. Number four, number four, under this section of how can I be a friend to others, Find the right ones. Find the right ones. You know, I think we, we all know the people, I know I have them in my life, who are just like really fun people, but they're really not good for me. Like they're really not good for me. I mean, I am over 50 years old, and I still have people in my life that are in that category. They're just so fun. But you know what? I regret spending time with them because I do not have the self-control I need to make wise choices. And I start calling fun what God calls evil. Make the right choices. Choose the right ones. Seek friends that strengthen you in the Lord and that you can strengthen in the Lord. And, you know, take some risks for people. If you see a person, you're like, man, she loves Jesus. He loves Jesus. I want to be their friend. Take a risk. I mean, what the heck? Jesus left heaven for you, right? Take a risk. You have it in you. You want to be friend with a godly person? Make it happen. All right. So find the right ones. Number five, the last thing that, that I want to leave you with, the bottom line. You want to be a good friend? Make Jesus your best friend. It is the only way you will be a good friend to other people. Make Jesus your best friend. Just like every other friendship in the whole entire world, it takes effort, right? It shouldn't shock us, right? If you want to be friends with someone, you got to spend some time with them. You know, and I know we all have those friends who are like, oh, I never talked to them, and we just pick it up right where we left off. Okay, but they don't really know you. They have no idea what's happening in your life. That's not what I'm talking about, picking it up where you left off. I'm talking about abiding. I'm talking about living, living life. It's the person you want to share life with. Talk to Jesus just like you would talk to a friend because he is a friend. His word, he answers you. So... Relentless grace. Number one, the reality is real, loneliness. Number two, the remedy is available, friendship. First with God, 
and then with others. Before you leave today, we have a, a sticker for those of you that might want a sticker for your water bottle. It says, fully known and deeply loved, because that's what it means to be in, in Jesus. And Mark Fodale has the stickers, so I'm going to pray. And then if you want a sticker, you can maul him. He'll be up here. He'll be up here. And if you have any questions, please feel free to come up. I'm going to pray first. Okay, people. It's only a sticker. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that you know us perfectly. You know us and love us perfectly. We love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.